You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. As Currents recently reported, homelessness is not just an American thing, it's not just a big city thing, or even a Vancouver Island thing. Homelessness is also here on Cortez, where a recent survey found that about 50 people rated their housing situation as unstable, and 11 were living rough, with no permanent shelter, in tents, or other makeshift accommodation. Although housing sounds like a single issue, it has knock-on effects throughout our community. Homelessness contributes significantly to the derelict boat problem haunting Cortez harbors and other waterfronts. Lack of affordable housing contributes significantly to the difficulty island businesses face in hiring adequate staff. Lack of affordable housing contributes to a shortage of the basic support services that many of Cortez's older, more secure residents need as they age in place. Firewood, gardening, gutter and roof cleaning, the heavy work. Lack of affordable housing closes off options. It leaves some women unable to leave abusive domestic situations. Though a relatively small number of Cortez residents are housing insecure, the phenomenon of housing insecurity is affecting all of us. In Campbell River, homelessness increasingly impacts the downtown area, troubling shoppers and frustrating business owners. Some homeless people suffer from mental health issues or substance abuse and or PTSD. Their behavior can be erratic and sometimes alarming. They are, on the other hand, also uniquely vulnerable to theft, harassment, and violence, as in the recent scandalous incidents in which Campbell River teens attacked homeless people. Throughout BC, throughout Canada, municipalities are struggling with the homeless problem. So far, Campbell River's approach has been management of the problem sometimes with an emphasis on containment or control. A couple of years ago, the city proposed to spend $200,000 on a high-tech public toilet that would be homeless-proof. There have been repeated calls for more police to patrol the downtown area, and even for forcible removal of the homeless to somewhere else. Long-serving city councillor, ex-mayor, and mayoral candidate Charlie Cornfield said during the most recent electoral season that spending the night in jail is compassionate. They're safe and warm, even if for a short time." Unquote. But this old-school punitive approach, police, jails, removal, is beginning to be recognized as futile. In other cities, both internationally and locally, a different approach has been tried. In Finland, for example, there was a serious homelessness problem in the capital city of Helsinki. Traditional tools like policing, soup kitchens, hostels, night shelters were simply not working. In 2019, the Finnish government decided to try the housing first principle. This was after a group consisting of a doctor, a social scientist, a bishop, and a politician authored a game-changing report to the government. The authors of this report suggested that the staircase of good conduct model that Finland had been using was simply not working. In that model, the homeless person is offered temporary accommodation and meals over a series of self-improvement stages with permanent housing as the eventual reward for their good behavior. 
But the authors turned the problem on its head, and they asked whether the lack of a secure private home to call one's own was the root problem that made it so hard for people to turn their lives around. They proposed a new approach. First, they said, provide the homeless person with a home. Then work with them to increase their independence and their ability to support themselves. Finland converted shelters into apartments, purchased some more apartment blocks outright, and hired staff to manage the properties and support the newly housed tenants. And the project was expensive, but a recent review and appraisal shows that the savings in emergency medical care, in social service emergencies, and police and court time totals as much as 15,000 euros per year per person in supported housing. The spectacular success of the Finnish experiment has encouraged other European governments to question their approach to homelessness, and projects inspired by Finland's success are popping up worldwide. Three Vancouver Island mayors have embarked on a similarly visionary solution to their respective homeless problems. Victoria, Duncan, and Port Alberni have built, or are building, tiny villages, clusters of tiny homes, with a view to transitioning street people into permanent housing. In Victoria and Duncan, city authorities purchase shipping containers for conversion into secure, warm, one-person tiny homes. Victoria spent $500,000 to make 30 inhabitable homes. Duncan built 35. In each case, the tiny village clusters around shared laundry and washroom facilities, social spaces, and gardens. Each village has round-the-clock staffing to offer residents help with anything from meals to counseling and support in job-seeking. In Duncan, almost 80% of tiny village residents are now engaged in employment programs. Not surprisingly, it's easier to find and hold down a job if you have a secure place to sleep, eat, do your laundry, and take a shower. The tiny villages face the inevitable pushback from local citizens afraid of homeless people. In Duncan, a petition with 600 signatures was submitted opposing the project. But four months later, even the opponents admit that it seems to be working. There have been some issues for immediate neighbors, but so far, they seem to involve unhoused people, not those already sheltered. Port Alberni, facing its own homelessness problem, took a look at what was happening in Victoria and Duncan. Encouraged by the successes there, Mayor Sherry Minions has embarked on a project to provide 30 sleeping pots and full-time on-site support to homeless people and prior residents of a badly run-down trailer park. Each of the three mayors reported that senior levels of government were not that interested in funding their projects because of their small scale and the requirement for full-time support staff. They do seem expensive on the surface, but all three mayors agree with Finland's analysis that getting people off the street and into secure housing is a money saver overall. Campbell River is already spending $10 million per year on its policing contract with RCMP. The average salary for just one police officer is around $100,000 a year. And as a recent computer gaming experiment suggests, there's actually no evidence that introducing more and heavier policing does anything but cost municipalities more money. It doesn't really solve the problem. Here on Cortez, the notion of a tiny village has been proposed more than once as a possible solution to our own local homelessness problem and our chronic shortage of affordable housing. 
the rise of Airbnb, absentee ownership, and a BC real estate bubble from hell have combined to reduce the affordable rental market on this island to nearly nil. This makes home ownership an unrealistic dream for most younger people. Providing secure year-round housing at an affordable rent would greatly benefit not only local businesses, but the whole community. Cortez has a steady supply of construction-grade wood from the Community Forest Partnership and plenty of local know-how in the form of carpenters, builders, and tiny house designers. However, the enthusiasm for building tiny villages has so far been stymied by two things. The general failure of planning departments to come to terms with the tiny house as a concept, and our own, out-of-date, 20-year-old zoning bylaw. Tiny houses, often built to be transportable, do not fit neatly into traditional building code categories. They're not RVs, which must comply with a raft of regulations of a vehicular flavor, nor are they permanent structures, nor are they mobile homes, as legally defined. A tiny house village doesn't qualify as an RV park, and yet it's not a subdivision or a condo complex. Tiny houses are in zoning limbo. Perhaps Cortez Island can benefit from the experience of Duncan, Victoria, and Port Alberni. They found ways to modify or expand their zoning bylaws to enable the creation of tiny villages to shelter previously unhoused people. Although in recent years the relationship between Cortez and the SRD board has been strained, Noba Anderson said in her exit interview with Currents that she felt this might change with some new faces at that table and a new regional director for our area. I think, I think Mark will have a better time of it. He's got a sort of a fresh perspective. So I think he'll do just fine. Well, if he can figure out how to finish the update of our zoning bylaw, that would be mammoth and do it in a way that was gutsy and decisive. I know he's really passionate about housing. He's been involved with the, the Housing Society recently and is keen on what the provincial housing minister, David Eby, is up to, and maybe he'll be premier. Currents did attempt to contact Mark Vanesh, our new regional director, for comment on this story, but we did not receive a response in time for publication. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. As always, thanks for listening.